This morning's reading is taken from Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10, and that's on page 1049 of your Blue Bibles. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray together. Almighty God, we pray that you would open up your word to us and us to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, since I became a Christian on the 24th of August, 1979, this is the 39th Advent Sunday. It's the 153rd Sunday in Advent, and it's the first time I've ever preached wearing a seven-day heart monitor. So, new things. Uh, going to continue this morning with our series on journeying with the early church through a time of change and we're looking at guidance and what an amazing testimony from Andy uh, sums up everything really so thank you and thank you God and of course guidance is very relevant to us isn't it at the moment as every week we pray the vacancy prayer and we're asking God to guide us that we might choose the right person so, very relevant guidance. The Acts 16 passage, uh, which SJ read, shows us how the Spirit of God guided Paul and his companions in a particular situation. The whole of the Bible, though, is like a guidebook, which contains many ways through which God has guided his people. We read of God guiding through dreams, visions, prophecies, prayer and fasting, circumstances, and through the written word. We also see guidance coming through the wider church, but whichever way that God guides us, it will never be, never be, in the way that is contrary to his character and outside of the word of God found in the Christian scriptures. We are so blessed having the Old and the New Testaments complete, so we have everything we need for God's guidance in our daily living, but also ways in which he might guide us in decision-making or in any time of change in our lives. Certainly for me, scripture has been an important part of guidance right from the beginning of my Christian life and even before, when I became conscious of God beginning to draw me to himself. I've always been of the conviction that if something doesn't fit with scripture, then it isn't right and God is not guiding me there or isn't calling me to do or live in a particular way which someone might suggest. You can certainly see that in the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness recorded in Matthew chapter 3 when the devil came with twisted scriptures. Jesus' response to all three temptations was, it is written. As we study in the as we study and learn the scriptures and seek them out in our daily lives, 
when the enemy of souls comes along to tempt us to follow his leading, we'll be equipped to recognise that it isn't God and use the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, to repel him or one of his messengers. When I was thinking about this morning's sermon, I had all sorts of thoughts, one of which is why seeking and trusting God for his leading and guiding is so important or even essential. As I thought about this, I saw God as a sculptor, as an oil painter, and as an architect. A sculptor takes a block of stone or wood, and with a picture in mind of the finished article, chips away here and there until the finished result is seen. And God uses different ways to chip away from our lives the things which aren't helpful, and he knows ways to do that. So he guides us, as Psalm 32, verse 8 says, with his eye upon us, which is very personal for every one of us. God is an oil painter who adds layer upon layer of good things into our lives and blends colour with colour until the canvas is finished and a beautiful picture is seen. Even the colour white is made up of a mixture of a number of colours, God's guidance enables this beautiful picture to emerge as he already knows how we will look when this is complete. And believe me, he already sees you and I as beautiful already. And one day that process will be fully complete. God the architect, even before the foundation of the world, had drawn up the plans for this world and the creation of men, women, and children. God's guidance has always been about fulfilling those plans, which of course is the job of any architect to complete whatever they have designed. In Genesis 1, verse 26, we read of God saying, let us make man in our image. And then in verse 27, we read that male and female, he created them. So beginning with Adam and Eve, he created them and us to walk with him. But through the temptation of the devil and the fall, sin entered the human race and walking with God became a thing of the past. However, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who Revelation 13.8 tells us, was slain before the foundation of the world and through his life, death and rising again has opened the way for any who would repent and believe in him to once again walk with God, not just in this life, but throughout eternity. So when Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he was revealing his personal involvement in this part of the architect's plans. He will be intimately involved in building the church. And this can certainly be seen in our Acts reading. In chapter 13, as the church were praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work I have called them to. And here in Acts 16, we see this intimate involvement and why looking for and trusting in God's guidance is so important, especially in times of change. And wow, what amazing changes God had brought about in a relatively short space of time.
Jesus, the saviour of the world, had come, lived, died and risen again, opening up the way to salvation and new life for any who would receive him, who believed in his name, as John 1 verse 12 says. For the early church, this message of Christ crucified and risen again was the core of their message, which they carried to the nations, and it's still the same message we carry today. Then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 believers, and the church was born. On that day, 3,000 people, 3,000 people believed and were added to the church. Signs and wonders confirming the preaching of the gospel by the early church led to many more conversions and many churches planted. Then also in Acts we read of Peter seeing a vision of a sheet with clean and unclean animals and reptiles on it and God saying to Peter, nothing that he had created was unclean. So when Peter went to the home of Cornelius, he went with a new understanding and when the Holy Spirit fell on these Gentile believers, he saw that the prophecies in the Old Testament about God's kingdom being, about God's kingdom being open to all, Jew and Gentile alike, were being fulfilled before his very eyes. Paul himself, he was previously known as Saul, met with the risen Jesus and was changed from a Christ-hater to the greatest leader of the church that the church has ever known. And apart from the Gospels, he wrote the majority of the rest of the New Testament. So times have changed certainly for God's people and times in which God had guided and led them like a shepherd. Now moving on to Acts 16, let's look at a specific time where God guided Paul and his companions. The Holy Spirit had closed the door twice for Paul. So Paul must have wondered which geographical direction to take in spreading the gospel. Then in a vision of a man from Macedonia begging him to come over and help them, Paul was given definite direction and he and his companions obediently, obediently travelled into Macedonia and he knew it was God speaking to him through that vision because it says, and they left or prepared to leave immediately. So we see from this that the Holy Spirit guides us to the right places, but he also guides us away from the wrong ones. So it's so important to know where he wants us to go, but equally important to know where he doesn't want us to go. So was it an audible voice that guided Paul, or was it circumstances? Whichever way, he knew it was God guiding them. When uh, Denise and I received our missionary call at Keswick, uh, we didn't know where God would take us. But in discussions with uh, an Anglican mission society uh, called BCMS at that time, but Crosslinks now, uh, they told us that actually, although I hadn't even got an O level, they could use us to teach theological education by extension in Uganda. Wow. Uh, but they said, you know, you need training. So we actually applied to All Nations Christian College and began a training course in 1982 with a view to going to 
Uganda when we left in 1984. But halfway through our course, we began to feel that maybe it wasn't right, maybe it wasn't the right direction. So we, uh, instead of going on the camp picnic, we found a mountain in Keswick, or actually it's more like a little hill in Keswick, and took a day of prayer and fasting and worship to really seek God that we would know either way whether it was right to continue or it wasn't. And we came at the end of that day with a real feeling that he didn't want us to go to Uganda. And we had that sense that God hadn't given up on England yet, which is always encouraging, isn't it? When we got back from Keswick, uh, we went up to Scotland to do some preaching. But uh, when we finally arrived home, there was a letter from BCMS saying, please contact the General Secretary as soon as possible. So. Uh, a day or so after we got back, uh, we were sitting in John Ball's office and he broke the news to us that the bishop out there hadn't complained about my o, lack of O-levels, but in fact he had said that because we didn't have a theological degree, he didn't want us to go. He rejected the critchels. But because God had prepared us for that time, it wasn't a shock. In fact, it was a confirmation of what we felt that he had said to us. In various ways, uh, God led us to uh, apply to and be accepted by London City Mission. And we had nine months in a parish in Fulham, seeing quite a large number of people come to Christ. And then the mission said to us, would you go down to Til or take on the lighthouse down in Tilbury Docks to work amongst the... Uh, in the docks to work amongst crews, dockers, prostitutes, whatever. And we felt, yes, that was right, that we should do that. So we left Fulham, moved us to, to Tilbury. And one day on a, uh, an Arab ship, we had contact with 43 different nationalities during our uh, two plus years there. And we were on a, an Arab ship uh, one day with an all-Muslim crew. And we were sitting in the mess and there were the all of the crew around us in a semicircle, and we were talking about Jesus. And we just sensed from God that actually these were the people from the Indian subcontinent that he wanted us to work amongst. So we shared that with London City Mission. They said, we can't facilitate that. So we took a step of faith, made ourselves homeless because the home came to the job and were given a two-bedroom flat in exchange for caretaking duties in a church in London, and we prayed for our future, and we, we felt we should go back to BCMS and offer ourselves. Well, they had begun a work amongst the other faith communities uh, in England, so we were accepted by them in 1987 and were placed in Slough. But Denise's mum, had a lot of trouble with that. She really wondered, you know, was God calling us to work amongst Sikhs, Muslims, Hindus? I mean, she had a stereotypical view of what these lovely people were like. So she, she was fearful, really fearful. <clears throat> so she prayed a lot about it. And then one day she was <coughs> sitting in uh, the dining room in Bexley, the house that her and Rex had, 
And on the uh, washing line outside was a J-cloth. And suddenly, the J-cloth became a beautiful Asian woman in a sari. So she knew that God was calling us to work amongst Asian people. And her and Rex became, I think Denise should say, that our number one supporters. They were brilliant. But she knew because of that 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 was where God was calling us to. So it was absolutely essential that the Apostle Paul and those with him follow the architect's timing and pattern. So they looked to him to lead and guide them so that, that, so that they were in the right places to meet those whom God had gone ahead of them to prepare. And a few verses on from uh, our passage is where Paul and his companions sailed to Troas, which was in Macedonia, and then made their way down and in Philippi met Lydia, who God had been preparing to hear the good news. And she was a key person uh, in there. And then we know the Philippian jailer and his household came to Christ later. So uh, God had gone, them, gone ahead of them to prepare people. And it's still the same today. We get fearful about sharing the gospel, but God is going ahead of us to prepare people. And if we follow his leading and guiding, we'll meet those who he has prepared already for us to tell the good news of Christ crucified and risen again. The early church existed in a time of change. Their world was changing. Probably to them it seemed quite quick, and it's the same for us. Even in the, in the last 20 years, haven't we? We've seen massive changes, and change seems to be quickening. The pace is quickening in change. So we need God's guidance as individuals and as a church to know how to live as effective witnesses for him. We need to know his wisdom and his guidance to know how the church can grow and what part each of us needs to play in bringing this growth. So I believe we each need to be always open to God and his leading and guidance, both in our daily lives and to be open to him in any changes he might want to bring in our lives. Open to whichever way he would speak to us and guide us but making sure that everything fits with his character and his word. And I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.